know who's coming today, but we'll start. It's like a business, you know, and you're going to recognize what's not sellable and get rid of it if possible. And then what's sellable, you know, uh, give it some more attention, yeah? So you write down a four column. And so people who are drinking today and are going in a bar today right now have, always are doing the first two columns. Most people are. The first column is who you're mad at, and then the second column is why. So everyone is there, you know, today, going shopping, doing this, doing that, but there's really no relief, obviously. And you could say maybe because of the first two columns, the need for shopping may be amplified, yeah? Because it's a mental solution to the problem, yeah? Or, like, making sure all the football games are recorded, let's say, in slow mode, so you have, like, 12 hours of football instead of four hours, you know? You can go over every little bit. (laughs) You may... A lot of the behavior out here may be based on that, yeah? Yeah? So recovery says, well, we're going to add two more columns, and that's going to change everything. And the third column, they just use a basic... Uh, like template to look at behavior here, which is instinctual agenda. So they break down the instincts as a social one, you know, a need for personal, a need for relationships, opinions, self-esteem, pride, you know, uh, group uh, acknowledgement, whatever. All these different uh, aspects would be put on the social uh, instinct. Then there's the security instinct, which is material. You need money, you need a place to live, you need clothing, you need shelter. And, and emotional. You need to have, it would be good to have a self well being, a sense of well being, you know, have friends, have a community, whatever. You know, that sense of belonging is really important to a lot of people. I mean, a lot of people. That the lack of it is not being noticed, but if they would feel a sense of belonging, it would make things a lot easier. And so you look at emotional and mental, and then you look at the sexual instinct how it drives you to act out to get what you think you want, you know, or what you're hoping sex will bring you. Yeah, acknowledgement, approval, satisfaction, pleasure, all that stuff. You know, maybe a husband, a rich husband, maybe just, you know. So we, we take it from the two columns and we bring it a little farther, you know. We see, okay, why am I seeing someone as a threat because it's going against my agenda, basically. That's what they would say. Yeah. So when I see someone doing really well, uh, I may get resentful because I have an opinion I'm not doing well. Yeah. Or in, if they're shining bright, I'm not thinking I'm shining enough, so my self-esteem is there. So th- there's all these behaviors that stem out of this, um, this uh, sense of uh, this social instinct of personal relationships and pride and self-esteem. Yeah. So all right, let's say if someone left me in a relationship and. I really resent them. Well, I probably a lot of it had to do, let's say, with security. So emotional security. I, it's really nice to have a person in my life. And maybe material security. Maybe she's rich and I'm not. So I'm going to have to get back into my pinto and give up the BMW. That's a big threat to me, you know? Because now I have an opinion on myself driving a BMW, and I don't have that same opinion when I'm driving a pinto. Yeah? <laughs> I'm getting a lot off of uh, off the financial security. My mind is. My mind's like eating, eating it, yeah? And the emotional security. And so then you look at sex, and you go, well, I'm not going to have sex anymore with that lady, and I'm not going to have sex with her maid, either. I'm going to, because that relationship's over. So it's a big threat to my sexual drives, yeah? And then you'll see, for me, I noticed that when I did the inventories, that my sexual drive had very little to do with sex. It had to do with self-esteem. 
One of the ways I felt better about myself is if a pretty woman would sleep with me, and I said, well, if she would sleep with me, I must be okay. That was a weird way. But it was like a drug because it would wear off quickly and I'd have to find another woman. Yeah? Or the woman that I was getting approval from, I'd see a mole on her cheek and there was the, the approval stopped and I had to go find a, someone else to get it. It was like a, a drug addiction, just like everything else. So you do the inventory and then you bring it to the fourth column and you go, well, what's the exact nature of my wrongs? Now, they give you four questions. They say, well, is it selfishness, self-centeredness, inconsideration, and dishonesty? To me, inconsideration and dishonesty come out of selfishness, self-centeredness. Yeah, anyway. So basically, it's only two. And really, it's only one, which is selfing to me. Yeah? (laughs) That's the really basic solution. You really did by seeing all the patterns of the uh, the nature of the wrong. You, by seeing that, you may be led to in entertaining the exact nature of the wrong, and for me, the exact nature of the wrong in 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 in, active, in activity is I'm identified as a self. Yeah, I'm identified as a self who has a belief he's never going to have enough. Yeah. So even if I have a, if you have a belief you're never going to have enough. And let's say you get a million dollars, and let's say that should produce, you know, a basic sense of material security at least for six months in San Francisco. <laughs> if I had a million dollars, I could probably live pretty well for six months, yeah, in San Francisco. But let's say I have an old idea about it, that I'm never going to have enough. Well, that million dollars isn't enough for me. It's not translating into a sense of ease and comfort. I'm really worried that it's still not enough, yeah? Because... The instinctual agenda is more influenced, not by itself, but by the selfing, the idea of being the one who has the agenda. And this is where a lot of people miss it. They don't see the power, or the, and I don't mean the power, yeah, the power of that one who has the instinctual agenda. Because that one is giving all the meaning. So if it has a belief in its little idea of you that none... It is never going to be enough. It doesn't matter how much money you're going to have. You're going to obsess over it and be anxious around it. So it's not going to equate into a sense of material security. It isn't. It's going to produce more insecurity because the, the selfing is going to dominate everything else. So it's the idea of that it's you that needs this, the you is giving that need all the meaning it has. Yeah. So when you fulfill all your needs, it doesn't, a lot of times doesn't satisfy the you, does it? That's the real drag. The real drag is when you seem to go with the formula, and then you expect, well, if I get everything controlled out here, and everything's going my way, it's going to translate into an ease and comfort. But it actually doesn't. It's just something else to uh, agonize over, yeah? Sort of like when you have something, it has you. So if you, let's say you have a lot of money, it has you in a way. You've got to be concerned what that money's doing and who's taking it from you and all this and all that. So there's a lot of payment to whatever we think is our little solution. So what what I saw in recovery, for the people who just walked in, don't worry about it. You know, just a, you'll, yeah, yeah, you'll just, whatever. So in recovery, after about nine or ten years of being in there, I, uh, I heard a message outside of the rooms of AA, and that message was concerning 
the relevance of this of the like the masthead of my little ship called Paul, you know? Am I that long lasting independent separate entity? That mental idea, am I that? Yeah. Because it sure seems like I'm living from there and I'm a, I'm shopping for it, yeah? I'm defending it. I'm, I'm spending tons of uh, security to hide its secrets. So what the hell? Am I, am I not that? Well, when I entertain the possibility I may not be that, that was what I had been missing. That's when the real relief from the bondage of self stabilized. It didn't come as an experience, because an experience is not enough. It comes and goes, yes? yes. The state is always going to override any experience you have. So if your basic state of mind is self-centered, you have a quote what you would call a spiritual experience, it will stay an experience. It usually doesn't equate into a state or a transfer of a state. Yeah? So you can have tons of spiritual experiences. They don't necessarily lead to a spiritual awakening. But our spiritual awakening, which is like Linda said, it's not an event that happened that wasn't there, it's just something that wasn't there becomes obvious to the mind. Yeah? So now you're awake to the fact of that condition. Yeah? When that's when that becomes when that becomes the living state that you're traveling as, that infuses itself in its its qualities into all your experiences. So now you're not having a spiritual experience. It may even look like it's the opposite of a spiritual experience. It may look very boring and quote-unquote normal. You're not finding yourself on cliffs with your hair being blown back and having this, this fucking soulless, soulful angst of, the, of all the sorrow of the world and, your, and of course a few ex-girlfriends. Are, oh yes, Paul, I support you to go through this. None of that's happening. You're just going to the store or just... You know, the flat, flat happens, you fix the tire, he's just going on and on. It's not like a big deal. And if you're an experienced junkie, you're going to be sorely disappointed. I swear to God, you're going to be really pissed off. Because no one's recognizing it. You don't have, you may not have the loving gaze, you know what I mean? You, know, you just may not have it. You may not want, or, you know, you may not talk very slow in a very, you know, somber monotone. You may not you know, have incense burning to create the atmosphere in the room conducive to your own higher state. None of that may happen. You know what I mean? You may eat more meat than you ever did. Who knows? Who knows what's going to go on? But there won't be this incredible, excessive mental concern about it. That's the freedom. It's a traveling lighter. Every day. <laughs> minute to second to second to minute. Every day. The possibility, even when there's a great indulgement in the mental stream, it's so much lighter than when you used to just put your little toe in it, you know? So it doesn't matter, you just, on a, on a, like, if there's a giant graph of day in and day out, day in and day out, you'll have a certain wave that's going across that's very, very stable. So let's say you get fired, so the graph goes up. But the, the, the wave stays stable. Maybe everyone starts sleeping, you're awake. The wave still stays, stays stable. Nothing's sort of, you're not going up with this and down with that. Yeah? You're stabilized. Your mind has found peace. It's not agitated anymore. And it's prone to not want to get agitated. After it gets a nice taste of not being agitated, it really starts having a flavor. Hey, I like that piece. Yeah? So then the, um, 
the need for, let's say, like in recovery, we have what you call manipulated pauses. So let's say the head is going crazy. So the head, you wake up at 9 o'clock, and by 9.30, you're ready to kill someone else or you, or both, like a homicide, suicide. Then you go to, and so you got this train of, of self-will, selfing going on in your head, and you park into a little place where there's a meeting, you go in there, and that hour is sufficient to derail that train of self-will. And so you have a whole new lease on the afternoon. You get out of the meeting, you know, and you didn't create any damage and stuff like that. There's tons of manipulated pauses. But then there's a point where you're the pause itself. You are. So there's no, you know, it's great to go to a meeting, but there's no need to get to the meeting because the pause is available right where you are at all times with no requirement necessary. In other words, at this point, it's not conditional. Yeah? It's not a circumstance that has to be produced for you to be to remember it. It's it's prior to all that. Yeah. Now you go into a meeting like this, and it's really nice. You can remember it, but you can remember it when you're at a, a recovery meeting, walking the street, you know, picking up the shit from your dog's rear end, everything. It's always available at all times. Yeah. Now for me, that's reliable. That's something that I had no idea of it, but if I had an idea of it, that would have been what I had an idea of. An ease and comfort throughout my day as the basis of my day. Not the day being the basis of my condition, but my condition being the basis of my day. In other words, to be able to outshine circumstances and situations. So if I go to Temple on a Friday night, it's no different than if I went to a ball game. I don't care. It doesn't. The particulars don't matter unless someone's stabbing me or you know burning my insoles off or whatever. Then I probably have a preference. But basically, <laughs> if it's just a regular night or a day, it doesn't really matter. Except for maybe surfing. I like surfing. But basically, you can go with the flow usually, as long as it's not forever. <laughs> I don't want to be at the temple forever there. You know, <laughs> I need a break. <laughs> but you know what I mean. I'm not going there to get anything. That's the joy of being up, because a lot of places it would look like I'm not going there to get anything in life, isn't it? A lot of times, life has you going places where you don't think you're going to get anything. <laughs> you know? <laughs> so, so if you're looking for something, you're going to be prob- probably pissed off, and your mind's going to go, you know, you could be somewhere else. What? Oh, yeah, let's start thinking about it. How much you could be somewhere other than here. But if you look at the surveillance tape, you haven't left the temple. But your head now is entertaining an insane impossibility that it could be somewhere else at some other time, and we tend to go with it. That's what's really crazy, isn't it? We tend to believe that we could be somewhere that we're not. Yeah, that's insane to me. The assumptions that most of my mental... Tripping is based on a totally insane. All the assumptions. First of all, the biggest one is my seeming relationship to thought as I'm the thinker of it. That's just a mind-boggler. That most times the thought system is held as if I'm the thinker of it or the thoughts are about me or about my life. Somehow they're related to me. Yeah? That's the situation. So every thought is held the exact same way. Every thought is held as my thought. So it's not the thought that's doing anything to me, it's the mind. Yeah? People think, oh, my thoughts are driving me crazy. Not one thought has the ability to drive any mind crazy. It does not have the ability. 
It's the mind believing the thought that allows it to be driven crazy. Yeah? Don't take anything away from the mind. Mind is given is the precedes everything else here. So a thought is just a thought until it becomes your thought. Then it's a much different beast. So a lot of people like the you know, the movie seems so intriguing in the or whatever you want to call it, an illusion as if it's a thing. It's not. It's it's an appearance. It's a seemingly so. Everything falls on the one point that it appears to be true or false to you. That's it. That's the role you have here. You are the threshold between true or false appearing. Yeah. In self-centeredness, there's a, there's a thing in recovery they call it an acronym for fear, which is false evidence appearing real. That's my, it's a perfect statement. Because the, the thought system projects thought, false evidences appearing real. Now, how can false evidence... It can't be real, because it's false, yes? So false evidence, no way in hell it can ever be real, because its primary condition is false. Yeah? But it says false evidence appears real. Yeah? It appears to be real. It's not real, but it appears to be real. If something appears to be real, where is the emphasis on? Is it on what's appearing to be real, or who or what it's appearing real to be too? I would say the emphasis is on us. Yeah? Because we're the one that are, that's recognizing false evidence as real. Yeah? And as soon as that's in place, it just rips, doesn't it? It says somewhat insane thing. If only I would have... And if you just see that, but, you know, it's like, if only I was a woman, I'd have three kids by now. But I'm a man, you know? That's the, that's the one idea I'm just overriding, the whole point of this yapping, yapping. But I'm a man. I'm not, I'm not, it's not possibly for me to give birth here. But the mind just overrides these. <laughs> and then it just rips, doesn't it? Well, if I was a woman and I had three kids, I bet they'd be beautiful right now. They'd be so better than any other three kids around here. And they'd be, and I expect them to take care of me when I get older. And I'll be really pissed if they don't. And on and on and on and on and on. And it just goes off and your attention just gets, goes with it, doesn't it? And then you don't feel like satisfied here. Why? You're never going to be satisfied by the outside things. It's like that old the picture they use in Tibetan Buddhism of the hungry ghost, where there's a there's a big thing with a giant belly. He's got a huge appetite, but he has a very small mouth. He can never get enough to you know bring a sense of fullness to him. Yeah. So the mind. The mind looking outside for something to bring its satisfaction when it's the only thing that can be satisfied. Yeah. It can't become satisfied. It has a, a nature or a quality of satisfaction already there. And that it can't be replaced by an outside symbol or something that represents it in some crazy mental scheme where you're a long-lasting, independent, separate entity. But the mind itself has the quality of satisfaction or peace or, let's say, clarity or spaciousness. All those are qualities of mind, but they're not going to be brought to you. You can't buy a huge amount of space to become spacious. Yeah? You're not going to get a huge amount of peace out there and then sort of somehow stuff it in here and then now you'll have peace. It's the mind changes. So we're just questioning one fundamental 
uh, calibration that the mind seems to be in, which is self-centeredness. It's a perfect description of the system. The system is centered on self. Yeah? It's a thought interpretive system with the perceptual apparatus defending it and reinforcing it yeah? by how we see things. We see things as if I'm the seer and you're the seen. Yeah? We're cast into a situation called duality or dualism. And in that dualism, that two-ness can never find oneness. First of all, there isn't any oneness. There's, I would say there's nothing, zero. But so the two-ness is too big to fit into one. Yeah? So the, all the great teachings, for, in my view, always, they, they stop going to this mythical one and they question the assumed two-ness. They say, are you that which is the seer? Are you actually the seer of this experience? Are you the thing? Is this mental or physical thing the thing that's conscious, or is consciousness all there is? Yeah. And that consciousness is, if you want to look at it in this picture, that it's moving through this apparatus, and this apparatus has, let's say, has five or six shutters, like a camera, and those shutters are that it feels, it smells, it tastes, right? It sees. What's the other one? Five of them. It hears, and then it sees thoughts. Yeah? So there's six shutters where consciousness is moving out and having an experience here. It's in contact with supposed things. Thoughts, feelings, yeah? objects, forms, sounds, tastes, sensations. So, and let's say there's eight billion people on a planet. There still seems to be enough consciousness for conscious contact to happen for those eight billion people. Yeah? And when there was one billion, there was plenty to do then. And if it gets up to 30 billion, there'll still be plenty. Yeah? And 80 billion. It can be two zillion billion camera locations, and there's still going to be enough consciousness because all there is is consciousness. Yes, it's it's not defined by the cameras. You know, uh oh, you're number thirteen billion and one. Sorry, you're just going. Oh. Yeah, sorry, it ran out. Get back to us later. Don't have any more births. No, no more fornication for a while. Yeah. No, it doesn't matter because it's sort of like a field or a possibility, yes? And in that possibility, a lot of things can happen. So here's this consciousness, that's the contact. Yeah? Like it says in recovery, but they use it in a different way. But conscious contact, so it's seeing, hearing, feeling, tasting, touching, and you see thoughts, like you would see a bird fly by. And if you notice, if you were looking out the window and a bird flew by, you would see it, yeah? There would be no point of choice, would there? You wouldn't be seeing that, oh, I don't want to see that bird, but you've already seen the bird. Yeah. <laughs> or like the same thing with a feeling, oh, I don't want to feel that, but you've felt it already. It's a little too late. <laughs> you know what I mean? <laughs> if you had any volition, you would have felt, I don't want to feel it before it even came up. Yeah. But it's all an afterthought, isn't it? So consciousness, contact occurs, and then the mental process, the self thing I like to call it, claims that process and, and interprets conscious contact and now emphasizes the seer or the noun that's in contact, meaning you, yes, this long-lasting independent separate entity, and the object to that noun, which is you, yes? So the seer and the seen now become much more important than the seen, yeah? The hearer and the heard becomes much more important than the hearer. The feeler and the felt is much more important than the feeling. So this is a very nice way for the mental process to sort of forget the conscious contact by taking itself to be the one that's in conscious contact. Yes? So now, 
The conscious contact is the only bedrock for manifestation. Without conscious contact, there'd be nothing going on here. But the mental process has claimed it and has interpreted it. Yeah? And it's told a story like a duet or a dualism or a duality. The story is you're the subject and everything is an object to you. Yeah? And it tells that story on and on and on and on and on and on. And every moment where the love of this solution is available right in the conscious contact, we sort of ignore that. We ignore that song, that offering, that beloved statement of just in the seeing, the hearing, the feeling, the tasting, and touching, there will be a recognition of what's up, yeah? Just in that. But we're trying to have that experience as the seer, the hearer, the feeler, the taster, and the toucher. So at meetings like this, people come to these meetings, but they're holding out to have an experience of their own absence. They still want to be here even when they're not here. We're just going to the inherent not-hereness. That you have never been here. There's nothing... And the whole idea of, like in St. Francis says to... The whole point is to forget the self, yeah? But why is it, and it's in self-forgetting that you're reborn and stuff like that. And then Dokken, in a Zen master from Japan, says, you know, the study of Buddhism is the study of the self. The study of the self is to forget the self. Yeah? There it is, all Buddhism in a nutshell, to forget the self. <laughs> but in AA, we say, well, self can't get out of self, so there's the trick. So if I spend two years trying to forget the self, that could be construed as obsession with self, yeah? Because I would be feeling like a self trying to forget the self. Yeah? Or they say in this way, you're using Buddha to seek the Buddha, or you're using mind to seek the mind, or you're using light to find light. It doesn't work. And it never will work. And most people, when it doesn't work, they blame themselves, which is self-centeredness. Yeah? They don't see the formula is flawed, they think the petitioner is flawed. That's why spirituality has the great, greatest business scheme, because if it, it fails com- unbelievably, and yet the person who's practicing it blames themselves <laughs> all the time. It's never the formula. Yeah? And what kind of business plan? Wouldn't you love to have a business that you wouldn't have to... You wouldn't have to deliver the goods, and you could promise it may take lifetimes. You'd be fucking great. You could have like a pseudo-fake factory where you were supposedly building happiness, joy, and freedom, and spending all your money on other things. And the person would still be waiting patiently. Oh, yes, I'm just not purified enough to get it. That, what an incredible business scheme. Yeah. But this thing is much different than that. Much, much different than that. We're not, ha- we're not introducing or entertaining any path to illumination here. We're talking about what illuminates all paths, yeah? which is moi. Whatever path you're on is sufficient right now, because the illuminating factor isn't the path, it's you. Yeah? If your whole idea of being identified with Lord, that's why in these old stories in Hinduism where the guy who killed a hundred people had like a hundred, like, teeth around his thing, everyone was scared shit of him, he entertained the message and he dropped the idea that he was the murderer and his mind just shifted right out of there. Now, I don't know if he continued to murder, but the murdering wasn't stopping it. It was identification as being the murderer that was. Once he get let go of that, the mind just went back to its natural, not back to its natural state, just entertained its natural state, which is clear, bright, spacious, yeah? That nothing that ever happens here can't leave a lasting impression on that mind. So, 
Why is they say that? Well, it's in self-forgetting. Well, maybe it's because what, how self appears here is to be remembered, yeah? For self to seem to be so, for me to really feel, which you're feeling it, aren't you? It's not like a thought of self, it's a sense of self. So when an action occurs, it's just a sense that I was the doer, yeah? When a thought is noted, it's just a sense or a feeling that yeah, I'm the thinker. Yeah, obviously, no one else is thinking it. I must be the thinker. You know what I mean? So that sense of self is being reinforced because it has to be remembered because it isn't so. Yeah, Something that's so never has to be remembered. If something that was so was always here at all times, where would there be a need to remember it? I'd be in, I, it would just be immediate acknowledgement of its everlasting presence. There would be no need to remember it because it could never not be seemingly so. Yeah? But something that isn't so, for it to appear to be so, has to be remembered. Yeah? Just like three weeks ago, cannot appear to be so here, to Kenneth, right now. But it can appear to be so to you by remembering it. The future cannot have an influence on anyone other than the person who's entertaining it now. Yeah. Yeah. So if I entertain three weeks from now, it can produce an effect in my experience now, today. And if I remember myself four weeks ago, I can, re- I can, I can produce an effect now. Now, there's a lot of effects it produces, but the one effect that's pretty consistent is the feeling of you. So when the thought system thinks about you in the past... It pictures you as a body, yeah? It has to picture you as someone to remember. And so when it's remembering you three weeks ago, it's now remembering you now. See, that's the trick. So you would think, why am I, Why is it still thinking about years ago? Its purpose isn't to go over that. It's to remember the self now. Yeah? And the self can't be here now, so it has to be remembered. So the thought system has to have past and future to picture you at some other time, at some other place. And so when the thoughts are thinking about that, you're conjured up. There's a feeling of you. I was there, I will be there, therefore I am here. That's how its logic works. I'm serious, I've watched it, you know. I was here, yep, that's true, look it, I did that, I went to jail, there was my picture, yes, I did that, I was there. And obviously... For it to be so rich, I must really believe I'm going to be in the future, because you don't even understand the person you think you are now won't be the person you'll be thinking you are then. So you're worrying about a total stranger. (laughs) Seriously. (laughs) I mean, you're not even close to worrying about the one you think you should really be worried about. (laughs) So here, I'm thinking this in the past, worrying about that in the future, and if it wasn't me, it wouldn't have much power, would it? Yeah. Let's say if I was worrying about a stranger in the future, I would lose interest very quickly. Maybe a, a family member, it would last a little longer. But the, probably the longest burning light would be if it was about me. Yeah. So the idea is my mind remembers me by the use of the past and future, but remembers me now. Yeah. So every time there's an action, there's a feeling that I'm the one who did it. Every time there's a thought, I'm the one who's thinking it. Every time there's a feeling, I'm the one who's feeling it. It's not saying there's no feeling, there's no thoughts, and none of that. There's just saying there's no thinker, there's no feeler, that's all. It's not saying, see, it gets its reality because it says, well, this obviously is happening, and therefore I must be too. See, there's the leap, yeah? 
Some people want to question this and say this, is, this isn't happening. And most people, they can't go past that. Yeah, I did this, I burnt my hand, and it was an experience. How can you deny this isn't happening? We're not doing that. We're saying, all we're doing is questioning, is there someone that's happening too? Why is it that we can't believe that something could happen without someone happening, having it happen too? It's just an incredible glitch of our little failed system of thought that every verb has to be, a noun has to be thrown in there to make sense. So if I didn't do it, and you didn't do it, then we start looking up at God's did it, or the devil did it. Somehow we have to find a cause to be the one for, to reason why this happened. Why can't it just happen? Why can't life just be happening instead of why does it be ha- has to be happening to me or for me or by me or as me or as you or by you or for you and to me? All that stuff. Why is that? It's an insane logic. It sounds very logical until you get to the bottom of the system. Then you see the insanity of it. Yeah? The insanity that people are spending so much time buying so many books to try to learn how to get into the moment when the fact is you can't be out of a moment. There's no way in hell you've ever been out of a moment that you're in. There's no two things. First of all, there's just a moment. Without you, there ain't a moment. Yeah? But this whole idea of, I'm going to try to get into the moment. So they, they sell you a book, how to get into the moment. Then you buy that, you very rarely finish the whole book. Then they sell the second edition you still buy, which is how to really, really be in the moment. You you read about half of that, but because you say, oh, I know, I know, I know. And then, but the third one comes out, how to really, really, really be in the moment, you buy that one. And the same thing is, a lot of people are trying to get out of something they can't be in. You can, you're not a long-lasting, independent, separate entity. You were not born, you're not going to die. It's not happening. The body's going to, it showed up seemingly and it's going to disappear. But what you are was way prior to the body showing up and it's going to be there It's because it can't be anywhere else. All there is is that. Yeah. So this idea of trying to get out of self is just as insane as trying to get into the moment. And I found, this is my humble sense of it, this, when the solution dawns on you, what you actually see the problem as is imaginary. Yeah? Now, from the problem, it's real. So, therefore, you need what you would call a real solution. But the, when, in a temporal way, you think this message is a solution, but when truly entertained, yeah, its solution is that if the problem's imaginary, and you know what happens? There's no need for a solution. That's the real solution. <coughs> The solution becomes obsolete by its own activity. It solves the problem. Hey, this is imaginary, and therefore there's no need for a solution. It's like that, we used it last week, Ramana Maharshi, this old master used to have a story about, you're walking around in your day, and you have a thorn in your foot, and it's causing you a lot of discomfort. So maybe you've tried all these different kinds of shoes, you've got different kinds of insoles, started walking around with no shoes, decided I'm not going to walk anymore, you got one of those little driving things, but the thing's still bothering you. All your little ways of trying to get relief from it haven't really worked. So you find another thorn. And you use the second thorn to do what? Dig out the first thorn. Yeah? You don't replace the first thorn with the second thorn. So this is like, this is the solution, this is the problem. Identification as self. Alright? That's the thorn. Here's the solution. Hey, you may not be that. You may not be that which you identified as. Okay, we use that 
to dig out, and we start, we realize we're traveling later. But we don't replace the first thorn with this message. The message gets thrown out too. It's done its job, yeah? Now you're relying on absolutely nothing, and that's why it's totally reliable. If, if you were relying on a solution, then it would somehow or another you would creep in and say, well, I haven't been practicing it lately, and therefore it wouldn't be a solution, would it? You would still be the biggest influence of it all. But if it's nothing, that there's no one and there's nothing to do with, then it stabilizes. Your mind becomes thoroughly convinced. Yeah. It's like a boomerang. Every time the mind sends one of its boomerangs out, you know it's coming back. <laughs> there's nowhere to go. <laughs> and the fact is, if you're in infinity, or if you're in timelessness, timelessness will always out, wait out any, any effort in time. Yeah? Time will never be able to outdraw timelessness. Because in timelessness, the gun's already out of the holster. Every time, it already has you. Yeah? Timelessness is before you sit down. Yeah? I finally arrived. No, it had arrived already. <laughs> it has never left. So there's no way you can precede it. You can't get in front of time, timelessness. Yeah? So what all it is is a surrender to it. Now timelessness starts infusing its qualities into time. And I'll tell you, time is one of the main streams of suffering here. The mind's streaming and timing. Because all the thought system is drenched in time. And you're constantly being provoked or urged to move, aren't you? You can't really, even though something that you thought you worked for to get, like you worked three years to go to Hawaii, you get to Hawaii, but your mind is just prodding you to think about job. Yeah? While you're on the job, it's prodding you to think about Hawaii. I've seen people who go on hikes, and they're like three steps ahead of themselves. They're never actually in the moment of putting their foot down. Their mind's racing to the cappuccino later. And, uh, look, oh, there's a movie, uh, Lincoln, or whatever. There's always, like, a constant, it's like a death march, you know? A constant, it's like a form of slavery, you know? And then if you find something that even triggers the sense of okayness, it's, it's totally nuded immediately. Oh, I know that. And then, you, and then you're back on the march to look for a better version of it, yeah? You see ads in the papers, extreme, ter- extreme radical Buddhism. What the fuck is that? It sounds like a workout. Like a fucking yoga workout. Extreme radical Buddhism. Join us to the extreme radical Buddhist retreat. What the fuck is that? (laughs) 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 Scripture, 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 scripture. You know, I mean, you know, really. More is better? No, it isn't. Why, why are we so busy that when something captures our attention, we immediately want to take it back and move along with it? Where, like a flower, I don't have time for that, or something some, like a kid. Oh, Paul, I don't have time for that. Why? What's the big, what, where are we marching towards? Or is it just slavery? I find it slavery. I really do. I think that the bondage of self is truly just like that. You're enslaved. <clears throat> You're enslaved to a very small thought and interpretive system. You've gone over every inch of it. 
you follow that every formula it has for you to be sometime, somewhere, but not actually now, happy, joyous, and free, they failed miserably, and yet we keep tuning into it. All day. And you wonder why. Have you ever seen, let's say I had a furniture business, and my furniture, I was only dealt with one thing, couches. And I never missed a delivery. Always delivered it. They were always in the perfect condition. I sh- they saw it on the uh, pictures. Yeah? <clears throat> never a problem. Would I need excuses, rational- rationalizations, and blame? If I delivered the goods, would I need excuses why I didn't deliver the goods? No, I did. Yeah. Would I need to make uh, rationalizations? Well, that person got in my way. No, because not, I got it there in time. Yeah. How does your mind work? Doesn't have a lot of excuses, rational rationalizations, and justifications. They're like smoke from a failed system. <laughs> if you were a car, they would have the state would have towed you in. You wouldn't be able to drive around. The polluting quality is so strong. The system is just failed. Yeah, it can't process what's going on, and yet it won't admit it can't process what's going on. It won't admit that it's overwhelmed, and so it rationalizes, justifies, resents, gets anxious about. All of these are just polluted, they're like the polluted nature of a failed mental system. Yeah. Why, go, why try to deal with the system itself? Go to the center of it. Are you the center of that system? Are you a long-lasting, independent, separate entity? Are you that feeling, that emotional feeling, every time a doing occurs or a seeing occurs or a feeling occurs, a mental process produces a sense, the sense of self. It produces it. It rides the back of consciousness and it produces a mental interpretation of what's going on. And we're basically, most of us are living that mental interpretation. And we're missing, we're not even close to the pulse of life. We're not sensing the seeing, the hearing, the feeling, the tasting, the touching. We're not sensing the onness. We think the onness has a purpose that it's supposed to go somewhere and find somewhere. The onness is the, it's, its own purpose. It's in and of itself, totally fulfilled. It's not an achievement. It's not, a, it's not seeking a climax. It's seeking an expression, maybe. It's a... Centeredness is a complete, fulfilled system. Self-centeredness is based on desire and agitation. And that desire of the mind to be a self will never be fulfilled. It can never fulfill that desire. It can appear to be one in time. It, it couldn't do it infinitely, but in time it can, can appear to be one. It can huff and puff and make all these houses there to blow down and all like that, but it can actually cannot produce the goods. You are never going to be a long-lasting, independent, separate entity. Your nature is something other than that. Yeah. So this desire of selfing is never going to be fulfilled. And every other, I find, every other addiction is spawned from that first addiction. The mind's addiction to the idea of being a self. Can't find fulfillment there, so it needs to get fulfillment. So it shoots drugs, acts out, this and that, and that doesn't work. And then it never, and ultimately, never works because it always goes back to the first knot. You know? The first knot is that uh, that desire to become, and then it's incredible assumption that you are something already, and its desire is to unbecome that. So it has a dual movement. It has you believe you're something already, like a loser, and then you're really desiring to unbecome that. Or, or it's desiring to become something it believes you're not. Yeah, it's like a slinky that's constantly agitated. It just just keeps on keeping on, 
And it, ha- and it sucks all our energy. That's what's fueling it, because it doesn't have it, its own energy source. Yeah? The movie isn't that good. It's the audience watching it. Seriously. <laughs> if you saw the thought system from an unbiased position, you'd see the smallness of it. Yes. <clears throat> you'd see how small, how petty, how vindictive in a lot of ways. Incredible amount of rage in there. Because it's a god with no godly powers. It's fucking really pissed in there. You'd see it. You'd see it from head to toe. But when we're believing the thought system, when we're assuming that feeling that was conjured up by the mind saying, I'm the doer when an action occurs, that feeling is me, then we're in the mix. Then we're in the mix. And self can't get out of self. That's a very good axiom. So when I try to use self to get out of self, that's just another form of being in self. So all the escapes, all the exit doors just lead to another corridor of selfing. There's no escape because you can't escape from an imaginary place. It's all rooted in seemingly or appearing. It's appearing to be true or false to you. Yeah? If it feels, if it appears to be true to you, you'll try to get out of it. You can't get out of something that's not so. It's impossible. So then you actually live as if you are self for all those years. Yeah, it appears to be the truth, but it cannot be the truth. It just can appear to be the truth. So it's seemingly an appearing. So what would happen if your energy was taken out from out of that? If you weren't the generator of the system of self-centeredness, another system would be generated. It may use the same old system, but it will change it a lot. Yeah, Because the meaning that's given to it will be different, quite different. So now your mind will be centered instead of self-centered. Same mind, yeah? Same idea of centered, but one, the center, the point of centeredness is everywhere. It's not locatable, yeah? And it's not a center that was produced or, or can be lost in time. Or in self-centeredness, everything is fixed on you, so your whole mind is trying to fit everything around the idea of being you instead of fitting you around the idea of everything else. <laughs> How's it working for you? It doesn't work well for me. I get to be alone and right, and maybe a weird feeling of specialness. That's about it. <laughs> I can go to sort of angst websites and get some camaraderie. Yes, I'm so special. No one understands how I feel. Oh, I'm the same way. <laughs> you don't get it? <laughs> how does all these people feel like they're so terminally unique? <laughs> it's just generated by the same fucking system of thought. <laughs> you ever see that? It's funny. Someone who thinks they're so unique and they walk into a party of people who think they're unique and they all look the same. They have the same outfits. <laughs> it's hilarious. You can't escape this place in this, from this place. You can't. You can't transcend an imaginary place. It's impossible. You can look like you transcended it. <laughs> some fucking weird idea. But there's no transcending some place you're not at. That's the good news. <laughs> Finally, you let yourself totally be here, and there's the freedom you were looking for by all the ways of trying to get out of here. The freedom is actually being here. Because when you're really here, you'll really see what here is. Yeah, you will. It has to download to you. Yeah, you can argue with it and debate it and try to deny it, but it will 
once it's in there, it's like Ramana Maharshi said, your head's in the tiger's mouth, it's a done deal. You, it's too late to pull your head out. <laughs> you might as well go for the whole enchilada. Just slide down the throat. Get into it. <laughs> then your know, funny thing is, you'll feel like, in a way, you'll, you'll appear in this world much more individualistic than when you were trying to be an individual. Yeah, you really will. When you give up the, that, the ghost of being an individual, you'll be very pretty quirky, probably. <laughs> Some strange things become <laughs> become part of the, part of your modality here. <laughs> so <laughs> there is a solution, you know. There really is. I wish. I find that sometimes that's the only thing people need. They just need to have the possibility offered to them. The mind's there. It can entertain. It has that ability. But it, it may not be able to receive the information for it to entertain you. You know, you can live a life not knowing what's going on here. Yeah? That's why I think these messages and meetings like this are important. Because when I heard it, it was a really a God-saving thing for me. It became the last answer. It was like an unspoken yes. I just heard it, heard it and it was like an acknowledgement of it prior to me thinking I knew what was, the lady was saying. I just sort of got it in my gut. And then, of course, I was attracted to different books for a while and meetings sort of like this. I checked things out, walked around, entertained it. And then uh, when, things, when things shifted, they had to shift through my idea of how they were going to look like when they shifted because they didn't look like that at all. Yeah, And then... They just stabilized, and they became so applicable. And I found, you know, people, they may have these dreams of nirvana and enlightenment, but really all they want is an ease and comfort in their own skin. If you felt satisfied and at ease today, you probably wouldn't have a drive to do much more than maybe express it, really. You know, really. At least in my case, that's how it worked. I was, you know, I was going to India and everything like that. I wouldn't go to fucking... (laughs) I wouldn't even go to a bookstore today <laughs> to buy a book. <laughs> I really wouldn't. I mean, I can't. The other last week, I read a book, a spiritual book, for the first time in a while, and it wasn't good because immediately I wanted to express it through the, what I read in the book that, at a meeting. And I, that doesn't work for me. Even though it was super clear, it's not super clear for me if it ain't coming from here, yeah. downloading. I can read a book and get it in a second, conceptually. It's not, I can't tie my shoes here, but spiritual concepts are easy. I understand what they're saying. But it's not the same thing when there's a sense-felt understanding, yeah? when it's tactile to you. So it's better for me to read about the Yankees and stuff than to read about any spirituality. Seriously, I tried. Two nights I read, and I did a talk after it, and I just didn't feel right. Yeah, It just didn't feel like... Uh, yeah, It just has to have a certain flavor. And so... Now, who would have expected that? You would think that it would motivate me to study more and get more in-depth in the older scriptures. No. It motivates me to, to pay absolutely no attention to any of that. Yeah? It's weird, eh? You wouldn't have thought that. I wouldn't have. My head would have think, oh, once I got this and I really get into the study of it. It said the exact opposite. Don't even go fucking near any of it. No more seminars. No more this. No more that. No, no, no. No more four stages or seven stages, 12 stages of consciousness. No. Just keep it fucking simple, you know? If you weren't the thinker of your thoughts, I bet you you'd have a great relief today. 
And I'm saying you're not the thinker of your thoughts. Wow. Really. If I wasn't the thinker of my thoughts, first of all, then whose thoughts would they be anyway? Who knows? I know for a long time I was downloading alcoholic thoughts because I found that out by coming to recovery meetings and I was sharing it today. I was in this deep shell of terminal uniqueness. No one understood me. No one did what I'd done and felt what I felt and thought what I felt. And then eight people shared my thoughts. <laughs> I'm going, how could they be mine if he has them? You know? How could these feelings be? And they felt like they were so mine, you know? Like so special. No one had this feeling. No one. The whole world, no one's ever felt like this. This Joe Bob, you know? Oh yeah, I felt like that. What? You know? <laughs> I realized, Jesus, I'm just, I'm taking alcoholic infected thoughts as mine. Because that's the disease of alcoholism. I'm taking alcoholic interpreted feelings as my feelings and alcoholic generated behaviors as my behaviors. That's the whole bondage of self. The identification. Yeah, the identification as the one that's doing it. As the one who's thinking it. As the one who's feeling it. And, that, and if I'm the one who's feeling that and that I shouldn't be feeling... It's going to have a field day with that feeling, yeah? If I'm the one who's feeling it, and I shouldn't be feeling that, then it's going to riff like freaking crazy about that. And that's what it does. You give it an inch, it will riff for miles upon miles, yeah? I mean, up here, your mental system has logged at 2 billion frequent fire miles. You've always ended up at the exact same place, right where you've been, and you've gone to fucking some crazy destinations, yeah? Crazy, insane, all the shit you bring back. You look around, why do I want that? I was right about that relationship. Oh, is that doing, is that fulfilling you now? (laughs) Oh, they really fucked with me. Oh, that's great. Oh, man. They can really build a whole life on that. They really fucked me. Yeah, see? It's just mine. If you give it an inch, it takes a lot. Abstinence is the key. How are you going to say no to your thoughts? But if they're not yours, you'll easily be able to say no. Yeah. But if they're yours, you're going to have a big fight. A big fight with those thoughts. I'm telling you. But if they're not, the whole thing gets dimmed down. The volume goes down. The same system of thought is doing its thing, but I hear it. I don't listen to it. It's a difference. Yeah? I hear it because there's consciousness, but I don't listen. The listen is intent. I have to be interested in it to listen to it. And the only thing that causes me to be interested in it is I think it's about me. And I'm interested in that me that it's about. Now, if I'm not that me that it's about, I lose interest in the system. And what happens? Find out. Find out how you feel. How you you truck around. How things weigh on you now. See how it goes. I bet you you'll travel lighter. Doesn't say the geography of your life is going to change. No one can promise anything like that. And who really would want to? But you will travel over it lighter. Yes? Because you are the big weight bearer. Not the circumstances and situations. They can lend weight to it. But you're the big weight bearer. You and I. We're given everything all the meaning it has. And this has been given a meaning. This is not the place where all meaning is being given. This has been given a meaning also. It's been given a meaning called you. And that's bigger than the meaning of God. 
There is a solution. Entertain it. But just start, let's say, with thought. Just see. Thoughts aren't. Let's say, what? See the difference between a thought and a my thought. We used to use this example all the time. Very easy. Put money up here. Uh, what's important? Health. Sex. Okay, everyone every, generates a meaning, doesn't it? When you sit there and you hear that word, money, sex, health, based on what you think your condition is. That's that's a huge trip right there. Because <laughs> that may not be the condition you're in, but you think. So so you can see that you give meaning to everything. But let's just change the meaning. So we weigh it. Sex, health, what was it? Money? Security. Yeah. Security. Oh, whatever. Security. Now, I had the word my. My money. Usually different, isn't it? Money? Yeah. My money. Get away from it. You can't have any of my money. Sex? My sex. Oh, fuck. Can write ten, ten novels on that. Yeah? Relationships? My relationships. <laughs> They're so special. We're finding a special love, me and her. All of you are excluded from it. It's just me and her. Our own little private nirvana for two. <laughs> Just see it. If that's the truth, then question the mind. Why question money, sex, and relationships when that's not the meaning? The meaning giving is done at the mind. The mind is it. The mind is the bridge from what's possible but not manifested, which is tons of stuff in this thought system represented by self. And then that bridge of my is how that can manifest and have an expression here through you. Yeah? The my is the bridge. Question that. Instead of trying to, you know, I only want to have good thoughts. Give me a break. It's like trying to herd cats, you know? It's ridiculous. But why not question, hey, are you a thinker of them? Are you the thinker? Or is, are you the seeing of it? I'd say you're more the seeing of it, aren't you? Aren't you a seeing of a thought? Where does it, you don't even see it come, do you? It just appears on a screen, and then it has whatever, there's a download of your own meaning. <laughs> you think the thought's bringing you the meaning, but it's a vehicle for the meaning coming from your head. It's a projection. Really. And then it downloads, and you feel as if it's been brought to you from the outside. Yeah. Now you're being imposed upon it, or you're such a bad person. Look at the thoughts I'm thinking. Yeah, it's all baloney. There's a solution, honey. Partake of it and, and travel lighter. Yeah. So that's it, I think, today. Any questions? No? You can feel it in the room now, eh? It's got a nice little something. That's the smell of it, the scent <laughs> of it, the sense of presence. Even if you get crudely or clumsily close to it, it'll produce a smell. It's, yeah. It's that energy. It doesn't. The vehicle can't never be the right vehicle for it. But whatever vehicle expresses or attempts to express it, some of it gets through, and then you can sense it yeah, in the space. Hmm. Paul. Yeah. Yes. The conditional mind, as you describe it, a long-lasting identification self. Uh, never served me. In fact, I served it. So, you have a delivery that speaks to me, work, uh, a backward approach that I'm not that, the conditional model. And, 
And that has been my experience. When I am, as I am centered of the travel lighters, and uh, whatever vehicle it serves me, which is yeah, it's not bad. For an hour on Saturday. Yeah. <laughs> Usually you have ammonia in the room. So if you feel like you're waking up, it's chemically produced. <laughs> Sinus is open. I'm usually some washed in ammonia, so it's just sometimes strong. All right, well, that's it, yeah. I mean, I've been doing, you know, I entertain it for a while, and it's pr- been proven. I mean, I don't know if a lot of you have alcoholism, but self centeredness it's sort of like you're living in life in an aquarium glass. You're just separated from everything. It's sort of a, you're like in a mental observing status, which is really dry. And uh, you can't have contact with intimacy. Uh, it just doesn't work for the mental condition. And it's um, to have that broken, that glass, and, and have uh, all possibilities that were there when you were a child back again. You know, especially wonder and awe and all that. It's an incredible circle that left nowhere and ended up nowhere. But it's really a nice experience and manifestation to have gone through a lot of stuff and then uh, had that all those shells broken and just to be, uh, you know, really resting on that pulse of life. You know, it's a nice place, nice sense. And so I have. It's like being on an operating table. You never decide when to get up. You just lay there and then see what happens. Open up and your cards will always be reshuffled and things will be reconfigured in a way that will allow you to see something or sense something you didn't sense when you looked at a tree before. Yeah, it will just keep on, keep on, on giving. Giving more as, as, you know, abstract senses of beauty and other things. Just tons of, tons of gifts you would have never have uh, imagined, you know, small little, just how the light hits something at a certain time. Your mind's free enough to see that and and, and get it, you know, where before you would never have noticed it. And all that stuff, it just allows you, it sort of puts a stop to that incessant movement. And then when you really start looking around, you see that what, what you're looking around from is what you had been looking for your whole life. Yeah, it was just hidden under an identification as something else. Yeah, that's pretty sweet, and it's very pragmatic. It will allow you to travel lighter through your day. Yeah. Do you have a meditation practice? No, I don't. (laughs) If you want to, I like. um, I don't want to say this in the air, so I I don't. (laughs) If you want to, I like. um,